Our reading today comes from Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, and as he had, as he had done previously... Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was, dis was much distressed, and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king. But it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel." Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. 
Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dom dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to, shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who... He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, thank you, Shelby, for bringing our reading this morning. This is our last week in, in Daniel before we move on to something else. And, you know, we've had five weeks before this week. This is our sixth week in Daniel. And if you've missed some of the story of Daniel, one of the great things about doing the whole hybrid thing with some online and some here in the room is that you can go back and catch up on any services that you've missed. But more than that, I think it's a great opportunity for us to consider an excellent example. We've heard again and again about Daniel's excellent spirit, and we're going to hear more about that this morning. But let me make one last plug for the book that we've been recommending to you. Uh, and that's The Daniel Dilemma by a, a pastor called Chris Hodges. And you can get this online through Amazon or you can go to your favorite Christian bookseller and I'm sure they'll be able to help you find a copy. I know some of us have been reading it. Uh, I've been rereading it because I wanted to read along with those who are reading it this time and I've really enjoyed it and so I, I recommend it to you. And as we jump into Daniel 6 this morning, I've got just three thoughts for us. It's a fairly lengthy passage, and so I'm not able to touch on every single theme within this passage. But first of all, I want to remind us that God is a jealous God. Daniel knows it. We need to know it too. God wants to be our only God. He wants to be the Lord of our lives. He's a jealous God. He wants to come first. Secondly, I want to talk about this idea of an audience of one. An audience of one. We've talked about this again and again, and I think one of the things that Daniel exemplifies for us better than most is recognizing who God is in his life. Daniel knows who God is. He knows who he's serving, and he knows who he needs to be both most afraid of and most honouring of. And we're going to think about that as we reflect on this story a little. And lastly is the theme of faithfulness. 
You know, one of the reasons that Daniel is an excellent example and has an excellent spirit is his faithfulness. And one of the things that this story helps illustrate is the faithfulness of God. I know some of us like sermon titles and uh, crumbs. I think I'd be missing a trick if we didn't just make it the caption that you've probably got in your Bible. Daniel and the lion's den. (laughs) So first of all, let me talk about this idea of God being a jealous God. Sometimes people are a little confused by this notion of God being a jealous God. We don't tend to think of God being jealous, do we? I don't know about you, I was reflecting on that and thinking, I think this is probably a theme that we don't spend a great deal of time thinking about. When you think of somebody being jealous, you might think of a a needy boyfriend. You might think of somebody looking at somebody else's stuff, a nice car, a great job, maybe a beautiful wife and someone looks on with envy. But we don't often think about God being a jealous God. And so let me try and, well, just think about this with you for a moment. You know, God says again and again to his people, you shall have no other gods but me. In the New Testament, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And this is at odds with the culture of the age for us here today. But it's been at odds with the culture of the age time and again. Whether it was the the early people of God choosing to set up idols for themselves. I mean, I've taken a week off as the pastor every now and again, and I'm pleased to report that I've never come back to church to find that the leadership team have built a golden image and everybody's bowing down to worship that. But can you imagine? I mean, that's actually a Bible story. Maybe we'll hear that one in a few weeks. God is a jealous God. He wants to be first in your life. And our lives are full of things that are trying to distract us from putting God first. If you're questioning and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure that's true, Joel. Well, what are you most looking forward to doing this afternoon? Is that a distraction from God? What's the one thing that you can't imagine living without? Don't worry, I'm not going to make us start calling them out, those of us here in the room, not asking for anyone to start commenting what their sin issue is online this morning either. Because anytime something is more important to us than God, we need to examine our hearts and question, is this a sin issue? And it might not be, but equally it could be. And so it's so important to ask ourselves, what is the greatest priority in my life? And actually, this is a great guard to us, because one of the things that I think the church today struggles with is a spirit of apathy. It's very easy to get caught up in just the mundane, the regular and the routine. After a year of social distancing, you might think, well, who could I even tell about Jesus anyway? And I think actually in the midst of social distancing, we're surrounded by opportunities to tell people about Jesus. 
whether we can immediately think of somebody or not. Because even when socially distanced, we still have community and connection. And that might be a phone call, that might be an email, that might be a sharing a book or texting a friend or simply chatting to somebody fully socially distanced while waiting in a queue. We were made for community. We live in community. And hopefully we're going to have more community going forwards. God is a jealous God. Daniel knows who his loyalty is to. He's serving an audience of one. He knows who his loyalty is to. You see, the king makes this grand proclamation. He says, if you do this, this will be the bad thing that's going to happen to you. And Daniel has his priorities set straight. And I don't know whether he went home and he got down on his knees full of terror, his little knees knocking as he slowly found his way down to the floor. Remember, he's probably quite an old chap at this point. Or if he's a real pillar of faith, you know, one of these heroes that we look to and we aspire to be like them. This whole idea of wanting to be better at 50, 80, 90 than we are now. Is this a fantastic faith example? I think it probably is. And so with that same regularity that he's got down on his knees time and again, he gets down on his knees once more. Despite the proclamation of the king and puts God first. I've heard Christians time and again say we're so blessed to live in a country where our religious freedoms are tolerated. But are we making the most of them? Every now and again our freedoms get tested and somebody steps forwards and sometimes that even makes it into the news. Are we remembering that we are God's people before anything else? You see, persecution, I think a great working definition might be anytime someone, a person or authority, limits our ability by force, coercion or instruction to not be able to put God first. Anytime we are prevented or discouraged actively from putting God first. But worse than that is the freedom that we have and the apathy that creeps in and the, the lack of recognition at what's happening. As little by little our freedom is eroded by ourself, that we've been set free by Christ, but by not walking fully in that freedom, we let it slip away. I think another issue here that we see is the modern parallel. You see, here we've got a king saying, you can't do this, that or the other. And increasingly, I think our society is moving to a place where our Christian faith is at odds with the world that we live in. Increasingly, our Christian faith is at odds with the world that we live in. What I mean by that is increasingly, 
We are out of step with society. Our Christian country is taking steps that mean that our society is built less and less on the foundation of the word of God. Some people say that that's fully happened. The tide's gone out on that one. It's all over. We've had our moment and it's done. Other people say, well, we just have to remember that we live distinctively as followers of God. And I think that makes it harder for us. Things that were norms and values that we were all used to that are biblical values, less and less are societal values. And we need to recognize that. And I want to be clear, I'm not telling us that this is a hill that we need to die on, but actually putting God first, I think, is something that we need to think about very seriously. And as each time we find that there is some conflict being brought into our lives, just like Daniel, turning to the Lord in prayer and discerning the truth of the matter is really important. It's really important. And don't get me wrong, I know the church has encouraged people to die on some hills. You know, this is a great bastion of the faith type issue has been preached from many a pulpit and people have come up with all sorts of funny ideas. Most of us enjoyed Shelby's guitar playing this morning, but there, uh, there was a time in church history not that long ago where people said that guitars were the enemy creeping in and it was going to destroy the church. I'm pleased to share that it hasn't. <laughs> Others said that if you went to the cinema, that was a real den of iniquity and we would all perish if Christians started going into the cinemas. While we might not be going to the cinema for a different set of reasons at the moment, largely COVID-related, but I think the cinema's great, don't you? I even knew of one church that used to meet in a cinema for church. Can you imagine a better equipped room for AV? <laughs> All those things that churches today so often struggle with. And so I think the modern parallel here is really important. We need to be wise, but not wise by the eyes of the spirit of the age, but God's wisdom. And a great way to find God's wisdom is to remember that God is a jealous God and to spend time with him. Let him be the one that leads you. Don't get sucked into the spirit of the age, listening to the will of the world but seek to recognize the will of God in your life. This idea of an audience of one, this idea of our values and being valued is really important. And again, I think Daniel is a great example of this. Daniel gets himself noticed because of his excellent spirit, his reputation for being God's man. He also gets hated to the point that people decide that they're going to try and catch him out and see if they can't kill him for it. You might be thinking this sermon has taken a slightly less than inspirational tone at this point. And I'm not suggesting that that would be the immediate outworking for each of our lives or even a desirable outworking in our lives. But being God's people first and foremost, in some places, sometimes, carries a degree of risk. Look at the early disciples. 
Look at the persecuted church today. There are many examples where following Jesus costs people greatly. Equally, Daniel, in having an excellent spirit by putting God first, is highly honoured and highly praised. He becomes increasingly important within the kingdom. And as one king transitions to the next, Daniel keeps ascending in terms of his growing influence, power, and his servant leadership. In fact, the passage remarkably talks about the king seeking a way to break his own commandment. And not for himself. And at this point, it would be very easy to get political, wouldn't it? People breaking rules for themselves and others. And we'll not go there. God and politics in one sermon, dear me. But I think the really important thing here is that the king values him so much that he has a terrible night's sleep having not been able to rescue him. He's waiting to set him free. And despite the likelihood of Daniel being killed, the king hopes. The king hopes. And that hope is rewarded. Not because of the king's worth, but because of Daniel's faith in God. Because Daniel is valued as God's man. And you know, seeking to put God first in our own lives, it doesn't mean that everybody has to like us. Sometimes I think as Christians, we get caught up worrying about what people will think of us and how will that reflect on God? As though we're some sort of ambassador for the Lord And if people don't like us and everything about us, that might reflect poorly on God, rather than worrying about what God thinks about us and hoping that people see God's blessing and favour in our lives and see God through us. And hopefully as we share about who God is and why we live the way we live, something of the Father's heart rubs off on them and they have the opportunity to know who God is because of us. But sometimes we get this so back to front, we start thinking, well, I, I can't do this, that or the other, or I need to conform to the pattern of the world so that people will not find me objectionable so that I can tell them about Jesus. And if we start thinking that way, we've already started compromising on our faith in Jesus, putting God first, recognizing him as a jealous God and seeking his way rather than our own. You see, when we put God first, and that's always the challenge to us, to put God first. God is faithful to us. God is faithful to us. And this story is a great example of God's faithfulness. Daniel is protected from his very clear destruction. His very clear death. He should have been torn to pieces by those lions. I don't want us to misunderstand this story. Sometimes 
If like me, you grew up in and around the church, you might have heard this story so many times, you're imagining something slightly bigger than a pussycat. And uh, Daniel's thrown in there with them and he spends the, the evening just kind of gently stroking them as they purr and it's just a very sweet little picture in some of these children's picture Bibles. And I see why we wouldn't necessarily want to terrify our children as they go to sleep with thoughts of ferocious lions tearing them to pieces. That probably is good parenting not to fill their heads with that. And for our families watching online this morning, just know I'm going to stop there as I describe the lions. But these aren't some defective lions. God sends... God sends freedom, deliverance. God sends a way for Daniel to be safe. God's plan, God's purpose, God at work is the reason that Daniel is safe. And I think we can so easily forget that. In Daniel's own words, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And so Daniel's lifted out of the den and a few moments later the king in his anger commands those that try to have him killed be thrown into the den themselves and they get torn to pieces in an instant. These aren't defective lions. And if you're living life and you feel like there are lions in your life that want to devour you, God is faithful. God is faithful. You see, Daniel explains to the king that he was faithful to God and God was faithful to him. Faithfulness matters to God. And whatever that might look like in your life, whether that's a reminder to be angry but not to sin, a reminder to seek first the kingdom, knowing that all that you need will be added on to you, Or whether it's simply the reminder that God is a jealous God. The fact that God is faithful. God's faithfulness, his friendship and his love for us aren't just biblical themes, but a promise for today. Daniel's a great example to us because he keeps glorifying God. And God is worthy of our praise. Daniel's faith in God leads to his faithfulness. God's faithfulness to Daniel encourages his faith. But his faith comes first. When everything is insurmountable, when the king is planning to have everybody killed who does this, that or the other. Choosing to get down on our knees and pray might not seem the obvious thing to do. It might not seem the wise thing to do. But because of the upside down kingdom that we live in, when we put God first and everything else second, that's never going to leave us high and dry. And so this brings us to the end of our sermon series in Daniel. Daniel, the excellent example. Humble, faithful, disciplined. 
putting God first, glorifying God, practicing faithfulness amidst a foreign nation, a godless nation. Daniel, he keeps in prayer. Daniel, he keeps seeking the Lord. And you too can be like Daniel. And this is my concluding thought and final challenge to you. Just as we look at Daniel's life and we see that he put God first, perhaps you can look at your own life and ask, am I putting God first? Am I putting God first? Or if that's not terribly memorable, there's always the good old, what would Jesus do? And as people full of the Holy Spirit, seeking to honour our Heavenly Father and walk in the steps of Jesus, we've got some great examples in the Word of God, pointing us back to that Father heart of God, pointing us back to a better example. And so let's think on this. Let's not just let the sermon series end, but let's, this week, think on the example of Daniel. Think on that excellent example and ask ourselves, am I putting God first? Am I putting God first? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your hope. We thank you that when we humble ourselves, when we put you first, when we say that you are greater, when you are greater than everything else in our life, when we establish the correct order of things, we thank you that you aren't just faithful, but you are Lord over it all. Not because we say so, but because you always have been. But Father, as we recognise as we see things with your eyes, as we recognise your goodness and grace, we thank you that your hope, your freedom and your faithfulness fill our lives. And we ask for more of you in Jesus' name. Amen.